Like why there's so few believers on the firing line While so many others sit the fence But if you want to know where the word of God stands And believe it wants to use your feet and hands It's time to take your faith out of the seats And into the streets And come along with me If you'll only look Then you will see On WCN-TV C.S. Forrester's story, and filmed in the jungles and at the headwaters of Africa, the dark continent, in all the magnificence of color by Technicolor, comes the most exciting adventure ever seen. Okay, that's good. Hey, this is, this is Mike Heath, and I'm the host of Rob Pugh's Wisconsin Christian News uh, TV live stream, and we are live. We're also available as a... Uh, archive version download uh, at wcntv.net uh, and spencer will go ahead and throw that up there so you can see it wcntv.net uh, oh there's wisconsin that's the newspaper and then there's uh, a video platform which rob Pugh is is building out which you'll be glad to know uh, giggles youtube has no power over i don't call them google anymore there's, they've become so much of a parody of 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 what a of what a serious internet company should be that I call them giggle. It's no longer Google for me. It's giggle because they make me giggle what they're doing. This is <laughs> unhinged unhinged lunacy. I mean, my goodness sakes! Tweet twatter. I call it twatter. Deleted the president of the United States, thinking that that isn't going to. Oh, I don't know concern maybe um let's see 75 million people <laughs> hello twatter goodness sakes jack dorsey what an idiot the guy that runs that thing what an idiot what a great time to be alive i played that clip because my good friend scott lively is with us and I, i'll tell you something folks you want to let everybody you know uh come to the show today or watch the archive because Scott has traveled all over the world. He's been in this political game forever. I mean, even longer than me. And that's a long time. And he knows all the tricks and he's been following this uh, thing, this whatever you want to call it, this this uh, this psyop from inside the belly of the beast for decades. And I call politics now in, in America a psychological operation. Of course, Hollywood is a psychological operation. And if you want to watch a movie worth watching, go watch The African Queen. And in a minute, I'm going to tell you why I played that clip at the opening of the show. It's because Scott's on here and he's got exciting news to share with us because he's been out voyaging, been out voyaging on on the oceans. And uh, of course, I don't know how he did it, because obviously, if you voyage on the oceans today, you're going to catch COVID and die. I mean, you've got to stay in your home. Right. You you can't move. You know, probably he wasn't wearing a face diaper either. Oh, my goodness. I can't imagine. can't imagine. But we're going to ask him. That's the first question we're going to ask him to make sure that you're not afraid because you might catch COVID if he's not wearing his face diaper. Did you hear the latest from Anthony Fauci? It's possible for COVID to be spread over the Internet through the camera lens. And you you got to keep your face diaper on all the time, especially when you're alone inside the house. So don't forget that. We're going to ask Scott. That's going to be our first question. Before we get to him, I want to I want to 
go after my hero for a minute, Donald Trump. Okay, go ahead and play that clip. It's only about 10 seconds. This is Donald Trump yesterday. Go ahead. Which is very dangerous for the USA, especially at this very tender time. And now I'd like to briefly address the events of last week. Millions of our citizens watched on Wednesday as a mob stormed the Capitol and trashed the halls okay, of government. There. Stop there. Stop there. Stop there. Okay, so here's the President of the United States going to the Alamo. You know what happened at the Alamo? There was a little bit of violence at the Alamo. There was a little bit of heroism. The Americans who occupied the Alamo, I think David Crockett was among them, were all killed that day. Every last one of them by the Mexicans. They gave their lives. That was violence. A couple points I want to make quickly about Donald Trump, and then we're going to ask Scott Lively what he thinks. His use of the word mob to describe me, because I was there, and I can tell you that I ain't a mobster. I went to his city, Washington, D.C., three times since the election for him, and I didn't go to be called names by the president of the United States, who I love and support. I love him and support him. Donald Trump is uh, the best president uh, America has probably ever had. And he won the election. And why he has descended to this low of referring to his to a million, half a million to a million of his supporters as a mob, because he didn't distinguish in this quote between us and what was going on on Capitol Hill. And I wouldn't even describe what was going on on Capitol Hill as a mob because it's very complicated what happened up there. And if it was a mob, and I don't think it was, it was it was a manipulated mob. It wasn't it. And I guess that's part of the definition of a mob is that it, it is it is a manipulated kind of thing. But very few people in the hundreds out of a half million to a million went inside the building. And I would dare guess that a lot of them went in because the doors were wide open and the police were standing back and letting them in. And and there's a, I'm going to stop because I could go on for the rest of the hour on this. I want to hear what Scott Lively thinks. Scott wasn't able to be with us that day, but he was at the last rally in Washington, D.C. Scott Lively, come in here and tell us about the, uh, the adventure that you uh, had today with your lovely bride. And, and then uh, give me your opinion. Give us your opinion on uh where 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 things are with the president well well good afternoon michael it's great to be on the show with you and uh my wife and i have just come back from a fabulous adventure a a a cruise uh from key largo where we're staying right now uh out on on the atlantic in the actual original african queen the boat oh that's so awesome uh, that was uh, that was used for filming that the movie uh, titled "The African Queen." Humphrey Bogart, Catherine Hepburn, and and frankly, you know, you never think of these classic movies that way. But in the context of of the films that have been coming out over the past half century, this is a that is a Christian worldview movie, right? Mm-hmm. Catherine Hepburn is a missionary's uh, missionary, uh, and Humphrey Bogart uh, over the course of that film is transformed from a degenerate alcoholic into a loving, caring man. And the two of them, the last thing that they do, thinking that they're going to die at the hands of the Nazis, is they ask the captain of the ship to marry them, right? Can you imagine? It's a a, uh, tremendous, wonderful Christian worldview movie. Very exciting. Shows you that it's possible to make incredible films without a single swear word, without a single uh, uh, bit of sleaze in it. And uh, Hollywood has completely forgotten how to do that. Uh, so anyway, uh, segueing from that, from the African queen. And hold your thought right there, Scott. I love to interrupt. I'm sorry, but I'm, I'm not really. Um, I want to quickly hold your thought on Donald Trump. I want to introduce our audience. You can be a member of the audience of WCNTV.com. Uh, net wcntv.net you just go there and click on the big red button and the rest is easy you can come in and be live we got harry wilkinson in with us we got we got a couple other good folks in there brian and 
Um, and we want you to come in. Come in and join us. Be part of the live studio audience at WCNTV.net. I mean, what else are you going to do? You're locked down in your house. If you go outside, you got to wear a diaper on your face. And you you got to go around people who, who it, it seems like they're running a, away from you because they're all buying into this distancing stuff. I mean, you might as well, since you got to be on the screen anyway, come to WCNTV.net on Wednesday afternoons at three o'clock and be part of the live studio on it. Sorry to interrupt you, Scott, but go ahead, Donald um, Trump. And, and, uh, and by the way, I never wear a mask unless uh, it is a condition for being able to be in whatever place uh, that I'm in. And uh, so uh, I think we should all take that, that, uh, that stand, but mm -hmm. everybody needs to do what they're, what they're, they're comfortable with deciding what hill to fight on. Yeah. Uh, and believe me, there are an awful lot of hills to fight on. But regarding what uh, President Trump's comments there, um, I have always uh, recognized that uh, President Trump is a realist when it comes to fighting his wars. And that uh, and what what we've seen is he's a man that's that's extraordinarily bold and strong in the pursuit of his personal agenda. And uh, and and he is, you know, there's a set of priorities that he has put above other things, uh, and uh, and that's called the, the America First, uh, you know, doctrine of Trump, and it's great. And then on top of that, he's also become a champion of the sanctity of life, uh, and uh, and a lot of of other conservative issues that are centrally important to a lot of different constituencies. Uh, what I've also noticed is that he is he, he truly is a pragmatist when it comes to politics. And when he recognizes that he has been put in a situation where he has no way to beat the other side, he will um, he'll deflect or he will um, he'll create some kind of a way to to seem to be complying uh, without actually doing it. It's like he pays lip service. The most yeah. commonplace where you see that happening is the homosexual agenda. Um, that's one thing I've even written one of my one of my columns and videos that I've done at ScottLively.net uh, was President Trump's most dangerous error, and where I address that problem. And I think that he's miscalculated on that in terms of he's gone a little too far in putting too much of a stamp of approval on something um, that he knows that he couldn't take head on and mm -hmm. and prevail. Right. You, you just on that issue, they have beaten us so badly that right. there's almost no place, nothing, no place left to stand. And fight. Scott, you speak from experience on this issue that oh, yeah. this yeah. issue. I want to camp on this issue for a minute, folks, because yeah. uh, Scott Lively is perhaps the uh, most potent global uh, leader in politics and culture on the issue of on the LGBTQ issue, because Scott has been uh, in the fight, at, on the front lines, in the trenches for a few, three decades, probably. I'm I mean, we go back. I'm sorry. The world on, with this. In fact, the yeah. the, the uh, Paul Singer, the uh, the the aggressively pro homosexual, uh, Republican quote unquote billionaire, funded a dossier against me. In fact, I was one of. I was the number one of a whole set of people uh, in this dossier um, that was put out by the Human Rights Campaign, which is the largest homosexual lobbying organization in the world. And so I know from wherever I speak that that's, this is, and for, for me, to be able to set that aside, to be able to to continue to support President Trump, um, yeah. that it indicates the the... The, the power and the importance of President Trump for all the other things that he does. And yeah. I've been attacked by people. As a matter of fact, I was attacked this morning on Facebook uh, by a Christian, a never Trumper Christian, uh, who was making that point about Trump on the homosexual issue. Um, but uh, um, uh, I, I, I recognize that he's just simply making a strategic political position I disagree with. And the same thing is happening here. When he is 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 talking about a mob uh, swarming the, the the Congress, he is essentially acknowledging that they have put him in a box that he can't get out. 
there's no way to win. And so what he's doing is he's just getting on the, on the side. Um, he's, he's speaking in a way that the average person who is trapped inside of the media narratives, right? The average good, good-hearted, you know, well-meaning American who just um, who, who goes along with the flow of things because they don't either aren't strong enough to oppose it, or mm-hmm. or they don't have alternative sources of information to know just how far they're being led astray. That that right there was an acknowledgement of it. But and and I think what you see when he does it is that. He is essentially framing his 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 rhetoric in such a way that that it can be interpreted in the, in the correct way. Who is the who was the mob? He's not talking about all the supporters. He's talking about the Antifa radicals who led a group of over eager uh, and it was a mixed bag, I think, who went in and got uh, the Antifa actually were the ones who were doing the damage, but the ones sort of getting exuberant and and doing things they shouldn't have done and, and going into rooms they shouldn't have gone in. I think that included some MAGA people too, but it wasn't a riot. It wasn't a riot. That, that was all optics created by Antifa for the media planned in advance. It's, it's obvious when you've been in this as long as I have, you can see this is exactly, and I knew they were going to do this anyway. I said that the day before the morning, the morning, I put out a piece in which I talked about the, um, uh, the German Reichstag fire as a parallel to what the left had been doing. And then they went ahead and, and actually completed that metaphor by engaging in this Antifa rioting inside of the Capitol building for the purpose, for the literally for the purpose of creating the optics, the, uh, getting things on camera that the leftist media could use to spin this whole thing like some kind of white supremacist insurrection, which it, which it wasn't. Yeah. And my point in bringing up the word mob as a firsthand witness, I stood for four hours shoulder to shoulder, literally couldn't stand down, stood, sit down uh, with probably tens of thousands of people who were compressed around that uh, jumbotron, the only jumbotron they set up. And uh, so I got a, I, a firsthand up close and personal, more up close and personal than I would like uh, feeling for tens of thousands of people who were there and they were regular American. There was no connection to mob like thinking or activity. These were probably most of them, if not all of them Christians. I never felt unsafe once the whole time I was in Washington DC that day. Um, I saw no evidence of violence or an intention toward violence. And that point needs to be made over and over and over and over again because the left, which controls the high ground of the media and is obviously controlling the narrative and has been for the entire time that Donald Trump has been president, has we can't hit that narrative hard enough and often enough. The truth. That, what is the narrative I'm talking about, Scott? The truth. The firsthand, right. the truth about these people. They uh, have is, what they have is narratives. What we have is the truth. And the narrative competes with the truth for the minds of the people. And, uh, and that's what that's I did a piece yesterday. My World Net Daily column yesterday was uh, titled Five Steps to Survive the, the uh, Marxist Purge, because we've actually we've entered into a, uh, a phase now of American history uh, where uh, unless there's some miracle that happens before the 20th, um, we're going to see all three branches of our government in the hands of a of a extremely corrupt criminal enterprise uh, that includes the all the Democrat elites and big tech and big media. That's it's, it's one conglomerate at this point, and they are and they are. Uh, Scott, could we could we call it could we call it could we call it a conspiracy? It's, yes, it's, it's collusion, and it's, it is conspiracy, yes. See, I don't have a problem with conspiracy. I mean, conspiracy is, uh, and I do it, I do talks about conspiracy, because right. human beings... But most people, but most, people Scott, most people, Scott, think that when they hear the word conspiracy, they think of you and me, right? That these people right. that, you know, disagree with homosexuality and run off into their little hiding places and their little stained glass fortresses and say things that nobody, that everybody knows is wrong and catch up these schemes when actually the whole time they've been saying that about us, calling us conspiracy theorists, 
they're the ones that have been running this conspiracy. Right. It's right. now up. They, now they up. are conspiring. They are conspiring to misrepresent people who stand for biblical values as white supremacists, uh, yeah. uh, haters of various kinds. It's all and it's all fabrication. But because they control the public information systems, they get away with sort of uh, creating the sense of reality in the minds of the majority of people. And that's the thing that Donald Trump broke the mold. He, he shattered this, that system. That's why they hated him so, so vehemently, because he represents an existential threat to their power, because their power is based upon, uh, uh, upon the, those very narratives and, and ensuring that everyone conforms to them. And uh, that's right. why relentless going to break in here anybody got a comment or a question for scott lively dr scott lively i'll tell you i'll give you a hint about a question you might want to ask him he's got a lot of firsthand experience with russia russia with the nation of russia he doesn't just have an opinion he's uh been been there many times and not just been there and visited as a tourist but he's been invited and uh, by high levels uh, within the culture or and or government of Russia. And he's traveled extensively in that nation. But let me pause. Right, Maybe you don't have a question about Russia. Anything we've said at this point, I want to make sure I engage and invite the audience to participate. So and, and if you don't have anything, don't worry about it. I'm going to be silent for about, oh, I don't know, three nanoseconds. And uh, you guys can jump in here if you want. Yeah, it was possible. Right? <laughs> We'll keep right on moving. Got to keep stuff moving in this media, right? Right. No Go dead ahead. Air. No dead air. Okay. Anybody got a question or a comment? Yes, I do. All right, Harry. You, know, with you got four nanoseconds. Go ahead. You got four. <laughs> Go ahead. You know, with your background and experience, you know, what's your prognosis for what may or may not happen after the 20th? Wow. Um, well, I think it's already started. I think we're seeing it right now. Um, my, my prediction about uh, about the the Biden administration is we're going to see the uh, the left pick up right where they left off, right where Obama left off. And it's going to be full speed ahead on the entire leftist agenda. They're first going to try to undo everything that Trump did and roll it back. Uh, and uh, and they're going to go and they're going to push it further. Um, there's going to be there's going to be an, a, a, a season of punishment of conservatives and constitutionalists. They're going to they want to take revenge uh, and they're going to they're going to now that they've got control of of uh, of all three branches of government, in addition to big tech and big media. All of the narratives that they've been pursuing, especially the white supremacist narrative, right? From now on, Donald Trump is the new Hitler, and all the MAGA people are white supremacists. That's the narrative. That's what it's going to be. And Scott, and, this is called a this is called a color revolution, and this isn't new, right? This is no. It's, it's the well, the perp. See, the purple, the color revolutions were this were the the strategies of George Soros working in cooperation with the American CIA uh, and other players to overthrow foreign governments one after the other. The Orange Revolution was the one that they did in Ukraine. And, uh, and they, they took out a, a pro-Russian president uh, and, uh, and then they, and they replaced him with, a, with a, a stooge that they could control. And then the plundering began, the bereavement and all that. Of course, now that will never come out uh, because the uh, for a long time, the CIA and the FBI uh, apparently have been bought and paid for by the left. Uh, and then there's, there's so who is going to pursue any of the criminal activities that happened in Ukraine uh, or any other places around the world? That's all that's all going to be dead from this point. And instead, the focus is all going to be um, on a. Uh, forced speech. It's uh, a reconditioning, re-educating the American public to eliminate Trumpism from the population, because that that is what they define as white supremacy. And we're going to have nauseatingly relentless um, 
uh, preaching, heavy-handed, um, moralizing, and political correctness from every single corner that they hold power. Uh, it's it's Scott it's, uh, Scott it's, including Scott including the church, right? This is going to come from the church, right? Social, from- right. Social justice is the term that's used, right? Uh, social justice is a great phrase if it's if it actually was used in a in a Christian context, but it's a Marxist term. It just simply means uh, the you know punishing the rich and and elevating the poor. Except it really isn't the rich. You notice that the left they don't go after the one percent, right? They don't go after even the ten percent. They go after the middle class. They go after the conservative middle class and the and the business people who share a conservative ideology. That's it. And uh, and and we're all going to be under the the uh, the white hot spotlight of host, of cultural hostility for our systemic racism, right? And for our uh, our sexism and homophobia and all these other things that have to be purged from America because that because those things are evil in the religion of Marxism. You know, Marxism is a is a worldview, a comprehensive alternative worldview to the to the biblical creation model. And that its its religion is humanism. The the moral code of humanism is political correctness and the scripture of Marxism is not the Bible, it's the narratives. And that they all they all follow the exact same narratives. Um, and that uh, and it's the narratives that are important, not the reality. Reality must be changed. The, the perception of reality in the minds of the public must be changed to conform to the narratives. And that's what we're going to see on steroids like we've never seen before in the United States of America. We've seen it in other countries. We've seen it in China. We've seen it in the Soviet Union. We've seen it in 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 under Pol Pot and and uh, Che Guevara and, and all all other places around the world, but we've never seen it here. But we're about to. We're beginning to. That's what the takedown of Parler is about. That's why. That's what the this conspiracy of of Google and Facebook and Amazon and Twitter uh, all coming together uh, for this gigantic censorship campaign. That's what all of this is about, and it's just the beginning. Scott mentioned the Soviet Union there, uh, and when he, we come back from the break, I'm going to be asking Scott about Russia, about the Soviet Union, about this uh, Marxism that he's describing for us. You really need to understand this, folks. I'm serious. Share this link with loved ones, with family, with friends. I know it's hard to do that right now. There's there's such a, a bitter divide, even within families. So use wisdom, obviously. You don't want to be seen as uh, trying to be, you don't want to become part of the problem by becoming a propagandist yourself. You you need to pray. That's the thing you can do the most uh, effectively is uh, with, especially I think with family members who are not, who don't understand right now, is pray for them. Pray like you've never prayed before. Pray from your heart. Pray earnestly with love for them and uh, hold your fire. You know, don't, it's not worth getting into a fight with your blood relations and your, your, your love over this this is this is all politics that's all it's politics now it's become uh it's become a a form of politics which is uh which which can lead which will lead to suffering for many but hey this isn't the first time and and it won't be the last and we're going to survive this together we christians are going to survive this as we draw together and as we draw close to christ in prayer we're going to survive this and we're going to thrive through it and on the other side of it. So we're going to go to break. When we come back, I'm going to show you an alternative to fake book and give you a really quick explanation of how it works. And we're going to talk more with Dr. Scott Lively, an expert on the cultural side, the moral side, the religious side, especially on the LGBTQ question of what's going on in Russia. You don't want to miss that. We'll be right back. Have you been Two minutes, two minutes. So, um, uh, Spencer, go ahead and put uh, michaelheath.social up there for when I come out of the break. Yeah, it's michaelheath.social. 
I'm not sure. You, yeah, I, you don't have my credentials. You aren't. You can you go into yours? Go into Mount, go into Mount Airy dot social. Yeah, go into that. Yeah, that'd be good. Scott, I'm just going to take two or three minutes to to introduce this concept, and okay. then we'll yeah. we'll hit we'll hit the subject of of Russia. And I want to build out. I want to fill in a little more detail on uh, how aggressive the left was against you with their lawfare. You know, I, I want okay. to try to I want to sure. try to hit the lawfare issue and give some advice to people because we got people that are going to see this show who are going to get a visit from law enforcement. They got to be coached on how how not to respond. You're a lawyer. I haven't even introduced that fact. So, yeah. Yeah. Basically, they they need to know one thing, one word, lawyer. Talk to my lawyer. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, especially if you're dealing with the FBI. Right. That, but but we, what we learned from uh, their treatment of, of Michael Flynn and uh, Roger Stone and uh, the others. Yeah. And it's, it's happened to me. The FBI's been to my house. They were here in the, in the fall. Okay, awesome. Yeah, where is it? I don't see. Hey, welcome back. You're watching WCN TV live. It's also being recorded for the archive at WCNTV.net. Listen, folks, you don't have to stay on fake book. The internet is in the process now of being set on its head. It's being it's being it's being uh, turned upside down. Uh, Technologists know this. They've been working, they've been developing it now for a few years, but most people don't understand what's happening. The internet was built from the top down. So Google, Facebook, Twitter, all these monopolies, they built the internet from the, they control the internet from the top down because it gives them access to privileged data about you, private data, which they can monetize and sell to, to companies. And so they have created a, a structure that includes those annoying, those, uh, uh, what's the right word? I mean, th those login password things, that's just crazy. That's all going away, folks. The internet is going to be built now from the bottom up. What you're seeing on your screen is michaelheath.social. Think of this as Facebook. This is my, ver this is my Facebook. I control it. So you see posts, you see commenting, you see likes, you see, you know, you can get a, an account here for free if you want to get a feeling for where the internet's going. Michaelheath.social, Michaelheath.social, and then you just uh, free account takes you all of five seconds, and then you're in there. Now it's not as easy. These these platforms are not going to be as elegant or as powerful. They're not going to have as much functionality uh, in the early going as Facebook and Twitter and YouTube. But they they we are we have arrived at the point where they have basic working functionality. But more important, and I'm going to stop with this and we're going to turn to Scott Lively. I own this all the way down to the data level. Uh, when, the, when computing started, the value hierarchy was hardware, software, data. So hardware was most important. That's what we were most aware of. Then came software, then came data. We didn't even think about data. This all reversed about 12 years ago with Google, the inception of Google. And what happened then is that was flipped on its head. And data became the most valuable in the hierarchy, and then software, and then hardware. So data's been mo the most important thing for over a decade. Your data, now, you can own all your data. You can own it. It, it doesn't have to reside at Amazon or whatever, you know, any of these other, Google. doesn't have to. doesn't have to anymore. But you, there's a little bit of a learning curve and whatever. But you're going to do it because you now know that the outsized power of these monopolies is threatening your very soul. It's threatening your soul. It's threatening to help you go to hell. Go you and your children and your grandchildren. It's, it, this, these monopolies are ideological monopolies primarily, and they have adopted an ideology of left, leftist Marxist communism, and they are intent on leading your soul, manipulating your soul to hell, to hell. You know that now. You are not going to use these monopolies for much longer because you can't for the sake of your humanity. Scott Lively's with us. And uh, Scott, you uh, have been to Russia, I think, more than once. And, and, and 
I, your perspective on Russia is not the sort of the standard, right? The left used the whole Russia, the, the fear of the of Soviet Union for the past four years from a propaganda standpoint very effectively. But for that entire time, this whole uh, fear of Russia in America was not, uh, did not comport with reality. Russia has changed, hasn't it, since the, since the Soviet Union uh, collapsed? Yes, that's, that, that is true. The, um, uh, the Soviet Union was a communist, an evil communist empire, right? Ronald Reagan, uh, working primarily with Poland, the Catholics of Poland, uh, took down Russia with uh, economic uh, activity uh, on the one hand and then uh, from the top down and from the bottom up uh, uh, pushing revolution among the people, especially Christianity. And it worked. And in uh, 1991, we had Glasnost. Uh, you know, everything changed. The Berlin Wall came down. Uh, the Rush, The Russian... The Soviet Union, of which Russia was the dominant country, uh, broke up into pieces. It reformulated after a while as the Russian Federation. It's not as big as the Soviet Union was, but still as many of the same countries. Uh, they went through a period of, of Wild West, uh, you know, where there was it was really like a lawless uh, frontier for, for quite a while. But then Putin, uh, who I actually... Uh, think has been a very good leader for Russia. Um, He brought uh, the Russian Federation back to civilization. Uh, He suppressed the oligarchs. He stopped the the mafia. Uh, He got rid of Soros uh, and and a lot of the of the Western agitators that were causing so much trouble. And uh, and now the, the country now the Russian Federation is stable. Uh, it's civilized. It's uh, it is rising in in power and influence. Its dominant cultural theme or, or cultural influence is no, not long not Marxism and hasn't been for a long time. Uh, it uh, it is Orthodox Christianity, uh, and uh, and so I've been there three times. Uh, uh, it was part a big part of my fifty city tour speaking tour that I did. Uh, in, in 2006 and 2007, uh, I was in uh, probably 20 different cities in Russia, and from all the way in the Russian Far East, Blagoveshensk, uh, all the way across to the Far West, which uh, is St. Petersburg. And then a third trip that I made, I, I did as a, an, as an, um, a guest of the uh, World Congress of Families which was going to hold a big international pro-family conference in Moscow. And, uh, and I was there for the planning committee for that and actually met some very high-level people. Uh, I was invited to, and did a national television program with uh, Archpriest Dmitry Shmernov, who was the right-hand man for the patriarch of the Russian Orthodox Church. Uh, and, uh, and I met some other prominent people there. So I've been all across the, the, uh, Russia. I've seen the, the culture with my own eyes. I believe that the Russian people in general are the closest people in the world to American conservatives, Christian conservatives, to any pe- other people in the world. It's, it's uh, remarkable, actually. And I think that's why Obama uh, pulled the plug on the, on the Russian reset and tried to re- uh, and did restart the Cold War, um, in part because of uh, Obama was furious that Russia... Uh, ban gay propaganda to children in 2013, and it was immediately after that that Obama, pull, you know, pulled the plug and started going after Russia, and then orchestrated. Obama orchestrated the coup that took out the the Russian president. That was the Orange Revolution. That was Obama's work, and uh, and then since then, unfortunately, um, the he was Obama had been successful. Obama and the neocons. See, this is where the establishment Republican and the Democrats were working together in foreign policy. Uh, uh, because Trump, remember Trump in 2015 and 2016 was promising that he was going to restore relations with Russia. It was a big deal. And it was, and, and, and many of us were very excited about that. It became part of the conservative perspective to look yep. at Russia in a different way. And, and that, and the, and the neocons, and the, and the hard left couldn't allow that, uh, in large part, 
because Russia uh, knew uh, Russia was the witness to what they had done in Ukraine. And so they had to turn Russia back into a pariah, which they did very successfully with constant anti-Russian propaganda from both the, the left and the neocon media here in the United States. Uh, and they and they had to um, to put dis created a, a chasm between uh, Putin and Trump. And that was what the Russian collusion narrative was really all about. I mean, they it was very helpful for them to discredit Trump. But it was also to make sure that the United States and Russia never came together in cooperation against globalism, uh, because that's something that uh, we conservatives want. And that's something that the Russians want also. Scott, Russia produced a documentary. I think it was state sponsored, but you can tell us if it was or not. I, I think it was, it was OK. It was entitled Sodom, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know who produced it. They just asked me to be the American spokesman okay. in yeah. the film. And I agreed. As a matter of fact, I met with them in Washington, D.C., where they did a bunch of their filming. And uh, and one of the segments that I did with them uh, was in front of the human rights campaign. So I was standing there explaining to them about this you know, human rights campaign at the same time. I'm looking back on it in the timeline. It must have been the exact same time that they were drawing up the 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 uh, the, the dossier against me. Yeah, <laughs> well, it was you know, the, this very well, same time frame. It's just funny. And that's, how a, that's a good segue to to the lawfare that's been uh, you waged against you. Lawfare, which is where the law isn't used for its intended purposes. It's it's used as a weapon of war against right. an enemy. And right. you file lawsuits and that kind of thing. And for you, it didn't happen domestically. They filed, it was, they were going for internet, international crimes against humanity against you. And that, that case lasted, I think, four years. Tell us about that. Um, it was actually six and a half years. Uh, the, um, well, I've been in, in my, in my career, uh, I spent 30 years as a missionary to the global pro family movement. Uh, at this point, 65 countries, uh, five continents. I've been involved Hold in that. Hold that thought. Spencer, pull up Scott's website. I want you all to see and just kind of scroll around in it. Folks, Scott makes so much available for free that you can benefit from in terms of your learning. While Scott's mm -hmm. talking about this, I, I want you to be able to watch his website as Spencer scrolls through it. And just get, Spencer, just give the viewers a, a, a sense of, of the copious amounts of columns and books and and all of it is free. All of it is given away. You need to get this stuff and give it to your friends and your family that you think are uh, have been triggered by what's happening and want to find out what's going on. ScottLively.net is your free source of truth. Go ahead, Scott. Yeah, I, uh, well, I, I spent 30 years basically on that issue. Uh, I became one of the uh, probably the world's foremost experts on the LGBT agenda in history. Uh, I've written five different, uh, maybe six different books, I forget, I've lost track, uh, on the whole LGBT uh, issue and agenda. Uh, my first book being The Pink Swastika, Homosexuality and the Nazi Party. That, that got me put on the Southern Poverty Law Center's hate group list. I was actually one of the very first Thank you. It is a badge of honor. Um, but uh, but in over the course of that time, um, I really, I fought the LGBT wars and I fought them in the front lines. Everything that's happening right now, everything that's happened to Trump all happened uh, in the LGBT wars first. All of these tactics, doxing, right? They did it, uh, they did it to me, right? They did it to you. They did it to both uh, of us. Yeah. yeah. They, yeah. All of these things were pioneered there. These guys were the tip of the, and, and frankly, they, they were the tip of the, of the sword, the tip of the spear, uh, for the for the leftist agenda, always have been going all the way back to the forties, uh, and uh, uh, and that everything that they perfected was just simply adopted by the rest of the leftist coalition and used uh, against on on other issues. But it all began there, and, it, and it's very important for people to understand that queer theory. You never, you never, nobody, most people never even heard the term queer theory. You've heard more recently of critical race theory possibly, if you have a, a news junkie like like uh, many of us are. Uh, critical race theory is the idea that white people are systemically racist 
by definition, just simply in, it's in our genetic makeup and cultural background. We can't help it. It just exists. Queer theory is, is a more central um, ideology to, to the progressive movement, Marxism. Uh, and, and because it's a, it's a system for dismantling the, what, what Her, uh, Herbert Marcuse, uh, the, the pioneer of cultural Marxism, called the, the monogamic and patriarchal family, which he said must be disintegrated in order to be able to overcome the repressive order of procreative sexuality, which was what he taught was the most uh, significant barrier to the success of Marxism was essentially family structure. And so the LGBT movement is the strategy. Uh, the, the, the advancement of the so-called sexual revolution, which is an invention of the left in order to be able to break down, break the natural family apart, separate men and women, redefine all the terms, redefine all the relationships, and it's gone progressively. LGBT is actually is actually itself progressive in that the first battles were about homosexuality and now it's moved into transgenderism. Transgenderism is more fundamental of a concept, right? Homosexuality is, is to break up the idea of male-female partnership, which is the foundation of the natural family. Transgenderism is eliminating the very concept of being male or female, which is the, which is the image of God in us. It's the, that's what, that's what the Bible that's what's the Bible described as the only clue you get to what the image of God looks like. It says, Amen. "Image of God, He made us male and female, right? We're not so, a woman, sorry, right? And and that that uh, that right, and that's that that is a uh, a reference. I'm making, point. I'm making your point, right? Go ahead, sorry, right. So anyway, that's uh, these are all things that when if you've been through the LGBT wars then these, what, everything that they've done to Trump is, is blatant and obvious. Uh, if you didn't go through those, if you only awakened to political reality and the, during the hyperpolarization of the society that came uh, because of Obama. See, when Obama came into office, the ultimate narcissist, a megalomaniac, um, what he did was he put the pedal to the metal. He believed he was so arrogant that he believed that he could complete the, 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 the global Marxist agenda all by himself in his term as president of the United States. And so what he did is he, he abandoned the old, uh, you know, the, 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 the incrementalism strategy that they had used forever. Mm -hmm. um, he just threw that away and he went all out to try to push everything through as fast as possible. That immediately caused the frog to jump out of the water, right? The boiling water, right? If you know the old metaphor, um, beginning with the rant heard around the world by that uh, that uh, the guy on the floor of the Chicago Mercantile Exchange, that yeah. talking, you know, right? That that triggered and created the Tea Party movement, right? Yeah. The Tea Party movement was then sort of absorbed in by the intentionally absorbed by the Republican party and neutralized mostly, yeah. but the awakening that had happened was not able to be contained. And that went global and produced uh, this anti-globalist uh, movement all over the world. Populist. Yeah. Right. The right. populist. Well, it's, it's more than populism. It's populist slash conservative slash anti-globalist. Uh, and nation, nationalist it, it yeah. sort of fits in there, um, and and that that's what put that's what what caused Brexit to be yeah. voted in, in yeah. uh, and and then the election of Donald Trump, and many other things around the world at the same time. Anne and I spent two years um, studying the populist conservative movement, the anti-globalist movement around the world, twenty-seven countries uh, from. The, toward the end of 2015 and into 2017, and we came back to the U.S. in order to vote for president, in order to vote for President Trump uh, in 2016. And so I saw this all over. I was in Hungary. I was I was in London when Brexit was voted on in the living room of a conservative Catholic friend in central London, and we watched the the uh, Brexit vote. 
and then the next day had a debriefing se- uh, uh, session uh, at uh, Christian Concern, a Christian lawyers group right in central London. And I was in I was in uh, in in hung- Hungary when Viktor Orban stood up to the EU on the open borders is- issue, uh, and uh, you know all over. I was I, I was involved in all kinds of, of these and had Scott, this. We've got, we got five minutes. And I want to make sure that we don't wrap. We got five minutes because I want to play something. I always try to end with a little bit of a dessert, dessert, something funny. So we got five minutes. I want you to hit the lawfare issue because six and a half years. And and I I walked from a distance. I walked through that with you. I followed it. I was in Maine at the time. You were in Massachusetts. And they they hit me in my career with five separate major lawsuits. The first. The first uh, four all happened between 1992 and 1994 in Oregon, where I was the I was the communications director for the Oregon Citizens Alliance. That's why I went to law school and became an, an attorney myself. Uh, and when I did that, they left me alone for a long time. They were afraid to poke the guy that that had just become a lawyer. Um, but that changed when I became too big of a threat for them to ignore anymore. And after I had been involved in helping, I actually, the, the Russian anti-propaganda law, you know, banning gay propaganda to children, was what I was advocating for in my, in my 50 cities tour of the former Soviet Union. And, and it actually, the original city-level measure that became national law eventually started in St. Petersburg, which was the final stop on my tour, where I published my letter to the Russian people advocating that they do almost precisely what they what that law said, um, and so that made me that really raised my profile. That's why they considered me number one enemy of the global LGBT agenda. And then when I went to Uganda in two thousand nine, in order to, to to basically to hold a seminar there because they they couldn't figure out how to stop the agenda in their country, and then uh, uh, unfortunately. They came out with a law immediately after I left that had nothing to do with with drafting uh, that uh, that said uh, that was too harsh, way too harsh. They started calling it the kill, the kill the gays bill. And I was was subject from that point, from 2009 uh, for really for almost 10 years, I became the focus of an international uh, smear campaign, top level. New York Times, London Guardian, the Canadian National Post, ABC Nightline, heavy, heavy duty, anti-lively propaganda, sort of painting me as the mastermind of the so-called kill the gays bill. And then in 2012, they hit me, a Marxist law firm from Manhattan filed a lawsuit, um, uh, a civil lawsuit based upon um, uh, crimes against humanity, accusing me of crimes against humanity for speaking against the LGBT agenda in Uganda and a totally bogus lawsuit we, uh, that it took six and a half years to to finally get out of. And thank mil- God for, for, for um, I believe, Matt Staver's uh, Liberty Council. Was- Liberty Council. They spent a million and a half dollars to defend me and six and a half years of effort. We had, we literally, we what, after four, uh, five years, they forced the this leftist judge hard left judge who was completely uh, on the other side. It was one of his former law clerks that was on the 14 lawyer team that was coming after me. Um, and we, when, when, when Liberty Council finally forced this judge to dismiss the case for lack of jurisdiction, he wrote the ruling as if it was a, it was a decision against me. He didn't just say, well, I don't have jurisdiction. This case is dismissed. He wrote this big, long thing that looked like a ruling. Right. And then the other side, the other attorney said, we're going to use this all over the world to go after people like Lively. So we had to appeal our own win in order to try to strike that language to prevent them from using what they've done to me against other people, other Christians all over the world. And so another year and a half of the meat grinder until finally the appeals court came back and and actually gave us kind of a backhanded win by rebuking me for for appealing the case when i when i knew that the language in the ruling had no legal weight right so in other mm-hmm. words 
they confirmed this language had no legal weight, which was necessary to prevent the other side from using it. So even what they did was a slap at me, but it actually was a great victory and actually didn't require us to do anything more uh, after they came down with that. So, so folks, I, I wanted Scott to get into that because you need to understand lawfare. You know, look, st- start thinking about that because there's going to be a lot more of that coming at good people. We're talking to Scott Doctor, Scott Lively.net. He's an attorney. And he is at scottlively.net online. Tons of free material. Great stuff. Scott's very accessible. If you have questions, um, you can go to the website. I'm sure there's a contact form. I told him we were going to talk about We're not going to have time. But check out Swamp Rangers. Swamp Rangers. He started that program. And SwampRangers.com. Yeah. Network for draining the swamps. Join us. Yeah, SwampRangers.com. He produces a show every Sunday afternoon at 3 o'clock for an hour, similar to this show. 3 o'clock in the afternoon, live stream at scottlively.net. You can find it there. 4 p.m. Eastern. Okay, 4 p.m. Central. Yeah, I get. see, I'm the producer of the show, so I start at 3. That's why I got that. So, all right, uh, Spencer, who's producing us today, let's, uh, let's, let's give everybody a laugh. Uh, There's a little bit of a dessert for all this heavy talk that we've been doing. And uh, go ahead. Hi, brainless person. Welcome to the apocalypse. Here's what we want on your mind today. Twitter and Facebook permanently ban Trump. Apple, Google, and Amazon conspire to kill Parler. And New York wants to set up concentration camps. We'll have all this for you and more in today's edition of Here's What We Want You To Think So We Can Control You And Please Don't Realize You're a Sovereign Being Who Can Think For Themselves. In the wake of what's happened at the Capitol in small business news, Twitter and Facebook have permanently banned President Trump from their platforms. Many people rejoiced at Trump's banning, while many others grieved the loss of Twitter's greatest comedian. In a statement, Twitter said the ban is because President Trump was using Twitter to incite violence. Twitter said the following two tweets were the violence-provoking ones that triggered the ban. Tweet number one. The 75 million great American patriots who voted for me, America first and make America great again, will have a giant voice long into the future. They will not be disrespected or treated unfairly in any way, shape, or form. Tweet number two. To all those who have asked, I will not be going to the inauguration on January 20th. About how these two tweets were inciting violence, Twitter said, These two tweets must be read in the broader context of what's happening in the country. So in other words, when taken out of context, these tweets are said to have provoked violence, but not when they're left within the context of Twitter, which is where Trump published them. This just in! Communication scholars all agree that taking words out of context is the most accurate way to interpret them. About the ban, Jack Dorsey couldn't be reached for comment as he was busy picking food out of his ungross-looking billionaire goatee. However, Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg was reached, and when asked his thoughts about his platform using to restrict free speech, he simply responded with a smile. We're all proud of what you've accomplished. You mother zucker. In other pro-freedom news, Parler, a censorship-free alternative to censorship-heavy Twitter, is under assault. Big tech demanded that Parler instill the same draconian speech restrictions that users on other platforms suffer under. But Parler refused, saying it believes in free speech. Big tech, which does not, banded together to swiftly censor Parler, an entire social media platform, they got when the okay. dangerous activity of free speech. That's uh, JP. If you go to YouTube and you search on JP, for some reason, his channel is still there. And uh, he's a interesting study. He's a comedian and he's married. He has one very young infant child. And as he mature, it's fun to watch him mature um, and become take on politics. And he's got a huge audience on YouTube, just giant. And he's uh, obviously making a difference, helping people uh, get to the truth while they laugh about this whole situation. And God knows we need more of that. My name is Mike Heath. I'm the host. We've been talking with Dr. Scott Lively. Scott, thank you so much for being on WCNTV.net, uh, taking time from your adventures on the African Queen with your 
McBride and, uh, and, and being with us. I so appreciate it. And also thank you, Harry Wilkinson and Brian and all of our, uh, all of our wonderful audience, live audience members. Please let folks know about WCNTV.net. We'd love to have you in the audience next week. God bless you and stay strong in Christ. Amen.